Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And there was a great reckoning in America yesterday when a hated leader was told that he was going to have to leave office. That's right. Larry Scott is uh, leaving yes. the Pac-12. Right. Our union can heal. Finally, a, an issue everyone can agree on. <laughs> I think so. I don't think there's very many left in the in the camp of uh, Larry Scott was good for the Pac-12. Um, there was a lot at the beginning, and I'll admit I was one of them. I, I mean, I think you were too. The first um, the first five years were much better than the last five years. Yeah, I mean, he got off to a, a good start. It was, you know, I, I was thinking about it last night after I texted you, and, and we kind of talked about it a little via text, and, you know, thinking, you know, I remember when, when you know, it was Tom Hansen, right? Am I remembering the name right? I know it was Hansen. Was the was mm-hmm. the previous commissioner? Yeah, um, and I remember when he, you know, he was a, a pretty ineffective leader, you know, uh, harmless it seemed like, but certainly not inspiring. And and I remember when he retired, and you know, we hired Larry Scott, and, and it was like, well, you know, this could be good. You know, as a guy from outsider perspective, he came in, you know, guns blazing, new ideas, um, you know, shot for the moon with the with the pack. 10 expansion, tried to get, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, no schools. Yeah. Uh, Bil- you know. Built the network, which the idea yeah. behind the network is not bad. No, no. I mean, the idea was, was decent. And, you know, I, I really believe, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different things that went wrong with him. But, the, you know, while shooting for the moon was, was the right thing to do, not landing on the moon ended up kind of costing him. Yeah, because, you know, like the whole the whole dynamic of everything changes if we get Texas and Oklahoma and, and those, you know, there was there was different makeups. At one point, it was maybe going to be A&M, too. And then the second round, it was not A&M because they were going to go to the SEC. But, you know, you get Texas and Oklahoma and you're not fighting to get the Pac-12 network on DirecTV and U-verse and those that, you know, they're on there because those are huge brands and not getting them was you know it, it wasn't a death knell but it, it hurt and you know expanding to just utah and colorado wasn't it wasn't as exciting as it you know it was, it was kind of like you know when you open your christmas presents and you think you're going to get the the brand new shiny bike and instead you you get a you know secondhand bike that your older brother had it's like well this is good but it's not what i thought i was going to get so john Kinzano, who's done a lot of the leadership on the yeah. bashing yeah. had had a lot of stuff today. He talked to the presidents of both Washington schools in Oregon. Okay. Um, the, the, I think there's a, the, the biggest statement that he had in terms of like, well, well, no kidding was the, the Wazoo president said, we are all aware of the PR surrounding Larry Scott's compensation. My goal going into this is that it should be the number one thing. It should not be the number one thing people are talking about when it comes to the Pac-12. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I was thinking last night, it's just been a series of missteps, and that's one of them, is is all of the stuff about his, his salary and his perks and, you know, obviously the officiating, you know, debacle from a couple years ago with Woody Dixon Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, and, and his and, steadfast and, refusal to abandon Woody Dixon, too. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, every conference's fans say their officials are terrible. I mean, it's a, <laughs> you know, you, you read ACC fans and they hate their officials and Big Ten fans hate their officials. And, you know, and, and that's been the case in the Pac-10, now 12, for as long as I can remember. But um, it got worse instead of better. Um, and, and, you you know, once you call into question the integrity of officiating, that's hard to overcome. You know, we all sit around and, you know, we watch a game at a bar or we watch a game on our couch and we think, oh, the officials are out to get us. Uh, once there's a story that almost actually seems like, you know, not the officials, but the, the above the official, uh, you know, level is changing calls, that's hard to overcome. Yeah. And, and I don't think that the conference has overcome that yet. Uh, according to Canzano's interviews, the Pac-12 presidents are open to a move out of San Francisco for the conference yeah. headquarters. Hello, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And the the idea of the network being sold or rebuilt are both on the table. That would be an excellent idea. Then yeah. He, yeah. he provided two names that he suggested, and, and mm-hmm. this is a good jumping off point, I think. Yeah. The first one, Gloria Navarez, the WCC commissioner. Mm, okay. I hadn't heard that name yet, but the, okay. You know, the, the WCC doesn't have competitive football, but no. they do have good basketball they and do. a familiarity with the West Coast. Sure. So she sure. might be a yeah. set. The other Intriguing. one, though, that he suggested, Greg Byrne. I've heard that name being mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's, it's intriguing. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you another name I've heard uh, is Gene Smith. And I would love that. I don't know if they could get Gene Smith because he's got one of the most, you know, powerful gigs in football or in sports, I should say now, being the Ohio State AD. But he's got roots here. And he's just he's just a guy who seems to relate well to people. You know, people yeah. like Gene Smith. You know, like you, you can't find very many people who, who don't like Gene Smith. And and that, quite honestly, would be a big step in the right direction for the Pac-12 is just get somebody in there who who is well-liked, well-admired, knows his way around college sports and the business of college sports. And look, when you've been the Ohio State Athletic Director for, what, almost 15 years now, you know your way around the business of college sports. Um, and I would love that. Greg Burns intriguing. He's obviously got Pac-12 roots as well, you know, going to ASU and being the AD at Arizona, but... Uh, I mean, if I could have my dream, it would be Gene Smith, I think. Yeah. There there needs to be an impact hire with ties to the networks. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. just has to be because we're we're falling too far behind. We are falling behind, yes. And and you got to you got to keep up before you become and I've been worried about this, you know, it, it's it's dawned on me over the last, you know, year or so that are we headed for Big East territory? You know, the Big East became so irrelevant that they basically crumbled. Now, I don't think the same end would, would happen. You know, there's different dynamics at play. But, you know, the, the Big East basically became, like, it used to be the big six conferences. Mm-hmm. And then the Big East, year after year after year, was was not good enough and was sending teams like, you know, UConn to the to the BCS. You and I, you know, saw, saw that them. game. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and it was a nice little story for UConn, but, you know, they, I mean, the, game the East also got poached. 
you know, then the game happened. Exactly. Yeah. They got blown out by a, by a fairly average Oklahoma team. Not a, not a vintage, great Oklahoma team. Um, you know, I mean, again, it's different. There's, you know, Miami left and Vatek left and, you know, Pitt left and, you know, they started losing teams. I don't think the same result would happen, but yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta stop the falling behind because it's kind of become, I mean, if you look at the hierarchy, it's the Big Ten and the SEC up at the top level. Then it's the ACC and the Big 12, and then it's the Pac-12. And I'm not saying we got to catch up to the SEC. That you know, that's not an easy thing to accomplish, and it may never be accomplished. But you should at least be on par with the ACC and the Big 12 in terms of finances and national interest and relevance and those type of things. Yeah, that to me is the critical part is we're not relevant because we're not good at the good sports. Right, you know, to, right. You know, one of the things I'm seeing in the, you know, when you have to say something nice about Larry Scott <laughs> is, yeah. you know, the Olympic sports. What a, you know, what a contribution he made. Yeah. And our Olympic sports are much better. And, right. you know, gymnastics has been great. And softball continues to be yeah. fairly dominant with a broader base of teams. And that's all nice because those are the sports that are on when no one cares. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, I, you know, I realized that in this conversation, I've even slipped once and, and said Ohio State football. <laughs> you know, uh, football is the driving, uh, you know, thing in college sports, and and probably two or three steps behind would be men's basketball, and then another ten steps behind is every other sport. And yeah, the, the Pac-12 just hasn't been good enough in those two big sports lately. Uh, now that's not all Larry Scott's fault. You know, I, I read Stuart Mandel wrote a, wrote a column today on the athletic and he said, you know, it's not Larry Scott's fault that USC has made bad coaching hires. And it's not Larry Scott's fault that, you know, Bryce Young and, and DJ Uyunglele go from California to go play for Alabama and Clemson. But it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a symptom of the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and when the conference falls behind, you know, two, two kids like that who are the top two quarterbacks in the country, instead of wanting to go to USC, they, they don't want to go to USC because that's not going to offer them the platform that Alabama and Clemson are. Yeah, well, I mean, look at South Point. They're, they're top players right. of late. One has gone to UCLA, and then it's right. Ole Miss, Texas, and Texas, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's not good. Ole Miss should not be a better option than going to a mid-tier Pac-12 Agreed. program Agreed. Yeah. when you yeah. live in Arizona. Well, to me, the the first the first step. I, I mean, I, you know, again, I know there's other considerations, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get the job. I'm not qualified for the job. Uh, but the first thing I would I would place a phone call to ESPN and say, is the offer still on the table for you to take over our network? Because ESPN's a giant agenda setter in college sports, certainly in college football. They, they own, own the, the Bulls. Yes, yes, <laughs> they own the Bulls. They own the playoffs. And and so, like it or not. You know, and, and we don't have to like it, but like it or not, Reese Davis, Herb Herbstreet, Joey Galloway, Jesse Palmer, you know, the, the David Pollock, uh, they frame the agenda. They're on college game day for three hours in the morning. They're on the Tuesday night, you know, rank, ranking show for the second half of the season. And, and if you get ESPN to run the Pac-12 network, you will likely get those guys talking about the Pac-12 more. Because, I mean, it's just, you know, ESPN's going to promote their own. And, you know, there, there's a reason that ESPN really hypes up the, the big, or not the Big 12, um, the ACC and the SEC. They own those networks. 
Why wouldn't they? There's also a reason ESPN doesn't give much love to the NHL right now. They don't put them on. Why would they? You know, I mean, so the more you can get in bed with ESPN, and I know we do have a TV deal with them, but man, let them take over the network because then it'll be on DirecTV and it'll be on YouTube TV. And, and, you know, those things will start to happen and you'll start to get more traction, I believe. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is we're not in a position to do it this year because we're not good enough as a conference. But you can have a major deal with ESPN and still cut a deal with someone else because the SEC did it forever with CBS. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I don't don't think you have to – I mean, look, the ESPN puts on – Big Ten games or ABC, you know, they have they yeah. have some Big Ten games, but Fox runs their network. Um, you know, so there's no reason you can't have the same same relationship. Um, you're not going to get the same amount of money as the SEC just got. You're just not. Again, there's you know that difference has been there forever, at least as long as we've been alive. Um, you know, the SEC is is has a stronger, more passionate fan base. Um, they have national programs. That, that resonates and, and, and the Pac-10, now 12, does not, um, as much at least. But you can you can be more relevant because it hasn't been that long. When we were in college, I know it seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't, grand scheme. Um, I, you know, I don't remember thinking that the Pac-10 was drastically inferior to the SEC and the Big Ten back then. Do you? I mean, I, I, I don't recall that mentality. No. Because we weren't. I mean, like, USC was in the national championship game three years in a row. And, well, and, and Oregon, Oregon was, was, was really booming. good. Yeah, you know, and even, I mean, in the last 10 years, early 2010s, Oregon played in, you know, two national championship games. Stanford was, never got to a championship game but was on the doorstep with, you know, they had Andrew Luck. They had four guys finish runner-up in the Heisman Trophy voting over, over a span of, you know, seven years, eight years. Um, you know, so it's not been that long. We're not that far removed from where the Pac-10, 12, uh, you know, has been mandatory viewing. But, you know, you got to get them back on the right track. And right now we're, we're on the wrong track. And so hopefully this new hire will be somebody who, you know, can, can come in and smooth over some ruffled feathers and find a way to take advantage of, of you know, the things that used to be there. Not again, not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, the whole time difference thing, you know, you hear that. It's like, that's always been a problem. I mean, this isn't, you know, we didn't just introduce time zones in the last 10 years. Uh, You know, we we were always in the Pacific time zone, but it it didn't matter because people wanted to see USC. People wanted to see Oregon. If you give, if you give people on the East coast a reason, they'll watch West coast football, but you got to give them a reason. Yeah. And you got to make it accessible, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's one thing I thought last night. It almost feels like Larry Scott's mentality and the mentality he, you know, created was: let's play hard to get, let's make our product feel exclusive. You got to work to find us, and that's not a good way to be when you're already less nationally relevant than some of the major other other conferences. Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, we. We basically played ourselves out of the game. Yeah. And then the logic behind it, which I think is the final sin. The logic behind we're going to wait to negotiate mm-hmm. our deal mm-hmm. was so 
misguided. And and you and I saw that it was misguided, and we don't know yeah. anything. No, I know, you know exactly. Yeah, we're just we're just fans. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it was it was um, you know the the twelve year agreement was was obviously. Uh, and, and I see he's done a couple interviews where he's now saying, you know, well, if I had one thing to do over again, I would not do a 12 year TV agreement. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it looked kind of good at the time. It turned out not to be good at all. Um, you know, and, and some of the, you know, some of the other things, I mean, I know, um, Wilner has been beating this drum for a while, John Wilner, you know, the way they schedule, not just nine conference games, Big 10 does that. Big 12 does that. But, you know, how many times over the last couple of years, this year is, you know, kind of a write-off. But, you know, last couple of years you'd see, you know, USC would play a, a Friday night road game after being at home late on Saturday. It's like you're, you're not setting up your programs to be successful with that. You're, you know, and they lose. Or Oregon would lose. And then it would be like, well, that's it for them. Like you got to schedule to set up your teams to be successful. And, and we haven't done that. Mm-hmm. We've sacrificed success for for TV slots. I mean, you know, let's let's think about it. When's the last time you saw an SEC game on a Thursday night or a Friday night, except for maybe after Thanksgiving? You don't see it. They don't play them. Uh, you know, but but and I realize the SEC is a is a stronger conference, and they they negotiate from a stronger point of view. But still, like. You know, they don't put Alabama playing on a short week on the road because that's not the way to maximize your best programs and, and get those programs to have the most success. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, so I it'll be interesting. I, I'm just I'm so relieved that everyone agreed to get him out a year early. Agreed. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it was it was good news. We we got to move forward, um, and and you know, I mean, I don't know that it should have taken this long to come to that conclusion. I don't think it should have. But uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to act like he's he's you know the devil incarnate. Um, you know, I think he came in with some with some good ideas that didn't exactly come to pass. Things developed in maybe ways that he didn't expect, and and that you know maybe the whole conference didn't expect. Uh, but it's it's time for new leadership. That's just the only way to say it. Whether whether you think he just was a victim of bad luck, or whether he was just really bad at his job, and maybe it's a mix of both. Probably is. It's just time to move forward with someone else. Yeah. Uh, let's pivot now to a happier time. Yes. The 2021 Modern Era Player Finalists for the Hall of Fame. Yes. Let's, I'm going to run through the list. Jared Allen, Rondé Barber, Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Alan Fanica, Tori Holt, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning, Clay Matthews Jr., who is yes. the father of Clay Matthews right, III. Right. Clay Matthews of the Packers, not yet yeah. eligible. Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Reggie Wayne, Charles Woodson. Yep. I think that there, for me, as I look at the list, are three guys who I I look at and say, well, I don't understand why they're why they're even bothering. These people are obviously in. We should have yeah. we should have waved them through. And that's 
Manning, Woodson, and for me, and I've heard people back and forth, did he not play enough, mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I, so I, I think we can we can agree that, that Manning and Woodson will probably be cinches. Now, uh, the vote apparently already happened. Um, happened on Tuesday. We don't know the results of it yet. Uh, but, you know, we, they pair them down to five, and then the five, uh, usually it seems like over the last you know decade or so, they get rubber stamped in once you get to those final five. So, uh, you know, I think Manning and Woodson are are sure things. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, I, he's my favorite player, but I mean, I would think Manning is a sure thing as a sure thing gets. Um, I think Woodson's probably pretty close, um, and and you know, Calvin Johnson's going to be interesting because of exactly that. Did he did he play long enough uh, to warrant? I mean, that first ballot is sort of a special recognition in football because of the fact they only you know they cap it at five a year and so first ballot is like hey you are so good we can't make you wait was calvin johnson that good and i and i I go back and forth on that myself i think he was because he was the first and he he reminds me of barry sanders like he's not jim brown he wasn't a once-in-a-league talent. There are other great receivers of his level. But those other great receivers are Hall of Famers. I think of the receivers on the list, I think he beats out Torrey Holt. I think he Mm -hmm. beats out Reggie Wayne. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, uh, you know, now obviously, you know, both Holt and Wayne have better numbers because they played longer. Um, You know, Holt, I'm looking at it here. You know, Holt only Holt played what eleven years, and Johnson played nine. It's not that much more. Like you, I, I would have guessed Holt had more years. Um, beats him by almost two hundred receptions. Beats him by about two thousand yards. Now less touchdowns, seventy-four touchdowns to eighty-three. Um, Reggie played fourteen years, so he, you know, he has more longevity. I I think that all three will eventually get in. Um, but I would say you're right. I think, you know, if you're going to put a receiver in this year, I, my guess would be they don't. Really, I mean, I, I can give you my who would I vote for and then who do I think will get in. I don't think any of them will get in this year because I think there will be enough resistance to putting in Calvin Johnson as a first ballot guy. And then, therefore, there will be enough resistance to, well, you know, doesn't really make sense to vote for Tory Holt or Reggie Wayne ahead of Calvin Johnson. So I bet they all end up waiting. So who is your list that you think will up oh, hold on. Now we got they they just really are big Calvin Johnson fans and there's not I much guess, I can do I about that. Like you just you you touched a nerve with Archie yeah, and well, with me. I mean, and I'm not anti Calvin Johnson. Understand. Yeah. Uh, well, the, you know. But the craziest part of this to me is Lena's only two, so she didn't see him play. And no, she's also Chelot. Yeah, just read a lot about how good he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he as sympathizes with Detroit Lions fans. As you as you go through, who is your list of people who get in this year? Yeah. So, so you say you, my five that I think will actually get in, not my five I would vote for. No, who do you? Who are the five guys who you think will get inducted we'll get this in. year? So I think it'll be Manning and Woodson, mm-hmm. and then I think Alan Fanica. I think Alan Fanica. He's been a finalist seven years in a row now. Um, honestly surprised he's not in already. 
uh, you know, he was kind of a, the, you know, but there was a log jam there. I mean, Malai got in a couple of years ago, Steve Hutchinson last year. Feels like it's Fanica's turn. Um, He's the I only offense, or no, Tony Baselli. Tony Baselli. Yes. And, and, and there's a definite drive to get Baselli in. Um, and, you know, you talk about the short career. He had a shorter career than Calvin Johnson. Um, I think Baselli will eventually get in, but I, I just would bet against it this year. So I think Fanuc is my third. I think Zach Thomas gets in. I feel like there was enough enough momentum for him last year. And I think John Lynch, another guy who's been a finalist a bunch of years in a row, feels like maybe it's his time to get in. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. The one that I'm hoping for, obviously, is Leroy Butler. Um, and I think he will eventually. I mean, you know, thing is, when you make it to be a finalist, you, you got about it. a ninety-five percent chance of eventually getting in. It seems like, yeah, you know. Um, so I mean, I think the majority of these guys now, you know, Clay Matthews and Sam Mills, they're at the end of their run on the modern era ballot. At least they could get in as senior nominees. But you know, Matthews is in year twenty, so this is it for him. And Mills is in year nineteen. So I don't know if they'll get in through this way, but I, I would bet the others will eventually all get in at, at some point. Yeah, I think. If I were in charge of coordinating things, mm-hmm. I would want to figure out a way to get Barber and Lynch in the same year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just because yeah. uh, of the overlap. They played line. six or seven yes. years together. Which that's going to, after we finish the discussion of this year's class, that's going to bring me to another point. But I get you on that. Um, but I think you're probably right. I think the, the safest bet for three is Fanica. I think so. I think so. Like really, I, I'm surprised he's not in already. I mean, if you look at and and again, I don't. I mean, how they put these numbers together, I don't quite know. But I'm looking at Pro Football Reference, and they do this Hall of Fame monitor, which I guess is basically you know yes. looking at adding up the numbers. Uh, according to them, he's the fourth best guard of all time, behind only Bruce Matthews, John Hanna, and Randall McDaniel, who are all in. And ahead of Larry Little, Larry Allen, Steve Hutchinson, Jerry Kramer, Gene Upshaw, who are all in. So, I mean, it, like the, the company you keep, you'd say he's a slam dunk. And, you know, the highest rated guy besides him who's not in is Jari Evans, who's not eligible yet because he just retired in 2017. Yeah. I so, think, it feels like he ought to be in. I think he's a pretty sure lock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, seems like it's it's his turn, basically. Zach Thomas, I think, is the most liked of the remaining people. Just yeah. like, yeah, you know, you know, among the media, Zach Thomas, because he, for I mean, he's he's been eligible for a while, but last year was the first time he was a finalist. It, it's like he kind of slipped under the radar, and then as soon as he, you know, got on the radar, and like, man, you know, it was almost like a feeling of why why haven't we had this guy, you know, in the mix before. Um, I'm going with him, although Richard Seymour, I could see him, you know, that that to me, either one of those guys I could see getting in this year. There's a lot of push around Richard Seymour, too, it seems like. Yeah, it's it, to me, the campaigning for the NFL Hall of Fame is always interesting, yeah, especially yeah. compared to the other Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. It, it's almost more reminiscent to me of the NBA All-Star picks. Yeah. And, and the way, like, yeah. people just go really blatantly start pushing for their guys in in public. It becomes a a sort of a, a definitely a popularity contest. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I think all of them 
probably have a pretty good chance at some point of, of getting in, you know, um, uh, Baselli's one that's tough. I mean, like, and, and that's, I mean, I'll ask you, cause that's kind of where I wanted to go with this and just talk about some guys like not necessarily will they get in this year, but do you, you know, would you vote for Tony Baselli? There's no limit. Is he a hall of famer based on his career? I don't think so. And I know that's like, clearly I'm in the minority since he's on this short list. Yeah. But of yeah. the, of the players on here who I remember seeing, yeah, which is obviously not Clay Matthews. It's like, right. Or Sam Mills. Yeah. Those are, those are the two from, yeah, I, I would agree. I, like their careers, you know what? Clay Matthews retired in 96 Mills in 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't, don't really remember their primes at all, or even them playing much in the way of, of even at the end of their careers. But my my only recollection of Tony Baselli, and this is terrible, is the Jaguars left him unprotected for the expansion right. draft. He was like the first guy the Texans picked in the expansion draft. Yeah. And then he went on IR and never played. Never played a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a tough one because for for you know, it's it's it really comes down to how much you value longevity versus you know peak because you know ninety five to two thousand six years he was. Pro Bowler five times. He was a first team All Pro three times. Um, you know he was, you know, one of if not the best tackle in the game. And then it was it. He played three games in two thousand one and never played again. And and so you know it's like it's, it's six years of peak level play enough. And I, I don't know that I have a good answer to that. I, I you know I would probably say yes because he was really really good, but. If you wanted, I mean, if you could make the argument you just made, I, it's hard for me to be like, oh, that's ridiculous. I, I, I can definitely understand it. I just think about the other thing for me, and look, football's a violent game. So yeah. injuries happen. And obviously, I said I think Calvin Johnson should be in. But mm-hmm. but look at the position Baselli played and yeah. the other guys who got in Ogden, Pace. Didn't miss games. Played all, no. the, you know, played every year all the time. Agreed. Agreed. Walter Jones got in recently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's enough there that, you know, you, you do think like, well, okay, you know, and now he has had to wait a lot longer than some of those guys. I mean, let's, let me look at this. I'm going to look at this pro football reference uh, list here. Again, I'm not sure where they come up with this number. But they've got him. They got him with the exact same number as Orlando Pace for their Hall of Fame leader. Yeah, uh, well, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Pace I just certainly played a lot. I mean, Pace was a regular starter for 12 years. He was six. Pace was a seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. Baselli five and three, pretty close. Pace also won a Super Bowl, though, didn't he? Yeah. And he was on the '99 Rams and then the '01 Rams that went to a Super Bowl. Now. You know, team success is, is a tough one to, you know. Now, and Baselli went to two AFC title games with the Jags. Yeah. So it's not like they were terrible. You know, um, they never got to a Super Bowl, but they were also an expansion team that he, he went to. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, I agree with you. You know, the, the longevity of an Orlando Pace, a Walter Jones, a Jonathan Ogden resonates more to me. But all those guys are in. And so if you want to say, well, okay, I'd put Baselli in too. Okay. Yeah. Or, you know, I suppose that's fair. Um, well, and I guess for every year from 95 to 2000, you penciled him in, 
and just ignore it. As a guide, you yeah. just, exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and so, it, you know, again, it really it comes down to how much, you know, you value longevity, durability, uh, you know, and if you do value it, hey, I, I don't have a problem with that, but it's it's a tough one, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, his best chances to get in probably looking at it here this year or next um, I mean, because then Joe Thomas becomes eligible. And if you look at, I mean, Joe Thomas is better than him. Yeah. Um, and we'll get in probably, I mean, Joe Thomas is probably a first ballot guy, I would think. Yeah, Joe um, Thomas and, was the epitome of what I'm talking about, where yes. you, you, showed up at, you showed up at training camp and you're like, okay, well, left tackle is set. Right. Let's right. figure everything else out. Yeah, well, I mean, well, didn't Thomas have some crazy like he didn't miss a he snap every snap for nine straight years or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's a cinch, you know. But I don't know. The Baselli one is is interesting. Um, I mean, you know, on that on that note, and this is kind of you know another reason I thought of this conversation. Bill Rivers retires, very durable, started every game for fifteen straight years. What's your thoughts on him? Is he is he a Hall of Famer? Well, he to me is the question of: Are you a, a rings guy or are you yeah. a performance guy? Yeah. Because just off of like this is off of gut. I didn't pull this up, but mm-hmm. I imagine statistically much better career than Eli. Yeah, let's look. Let's look. Um, I, I imagine that the touchdown numbers, the completion percentage numbers, the durability numbers. Will all be better than Eli, but Eli's got Super Bowls, yeah. So he probably yeah. can't hear me because he's got the rings shoved in. He's his got ears. two rings in, in each ear. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, well, let's see. Let's 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 look at the numbers. So durability probably. Oh, I clicked on the wrong guy, but I clicked on a guy who I want to bring up. So we'll we'll talk about him in in the near future. Um, Eli started. So from 05, well, from the last seven games of 04 through 2018, so a 15-season span, Eli started all but one game. And Rivers, over a 15-season span, started every game. So pretty comparable in that regard. Um, Touchdowns, Eli 366, Rivers 421. So he wins that. Um, 63,000 yards for Rivers, 57,000 yards for Eli. Interceptions, Eli's going to be higher. Two forty-four, Rivers two hundred nine. Not as much as I thought. I would have thought but, Eli had a lot more. But actually. also remember, Rivers played effectively a year and a half more than Eli. True, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, I agree. I, so here's you were you were talking about storyline and you know Barber and Lynch, and I said I wanted to you know make a transition point on that. Here's my projection. Eli and Rivers get in the same year. And then that way they can have the storyline of, oh, they were drafted for, they were drafted the same year, they were traded for each other. It's a perfect sort of simpatico storyline. You don't have to make a decision on which one's better. And do you, uh, do you also put Big Ben in so they have to Am wait I? however long it takes for Ben so, to get there? I mean, let's say, let's say Roethlisberger plays one more year. And so he would be eligible in, I mean, let's say he plays in 21, he'd be eligible in 27 for induction. I could see you put all three of them in, and Roethlisberger goes first ballot. Uh, that's that's possible. Um, I mean, so if we, again, we, if we play the cynic and we think they, they want stories, um, let's say Breeze retires, which 
you should, and hopefully will. Uh, he's a first ballot guy. He gets in in 26, uh, 20 or what? 25, I guess. Right? Yeah. Am I doing the math wrong? 20, no, 26. 20. I mean, it'd be the it'd be the year of 26. Yeah. He'd be on the ballot 25. Class of 26. I'm thinking class of 27 would be potentially Rivers and Eli, and maybe Ben too if he if he plays one more year because that would be his first year up. And then the question I have for you is, does it throw all of that out if Brady plays one more year and then That's everyone true. else has to wait because Brady's going to be the only quarterback? That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I still think Breeze is a first ballot guy. I, th- I mean, I think he, I think he is too, but I think one. he's done. I and, think he's and, done too. So, you, oh, so you think you think Breeze gets in first ballot, and then the other guys potentially wait because Brady would be the only one. Yeah, because Brady's yeah. first ballot's the same as Ben's first ballot. Well, there's and no chance. Said. There's no chance. I don't believe that the media will elect Eli Manning the same year as Tom Brady. Because then, then it's just there's too much story of you know oh well they lost two Super Bowls to Eli they they won't want that so and, and I probably have agreed with you that they would just they would go one quarterback only that year to put the focus so you know make him the main draw of that class yeah I think they certainly will do that because that's just how it's always been it's usually with, done. with the bit yeah. you know. With every quarterback, it feels like unless there's a reason to have two guys go together, right, or like, right. or the three, and I could see them doing that and just saying, "I could too, I could too." I mean, I know that you know the people who vote would say, "Well, we don't decide who we're going to," you know, and and maybe they don't, but I could see just sort of a consensus building, like, "Hey, great story if we put all three of these guys in the same year. They were all in the same draft class. Now they all get to take the stage together. Pretty cool, right?" And it, you know, the the media that covers football would eat it up. Yeah. Um, I think that's the storyline. But I think Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I like he was never my favorite player. I didn't really like him that much. Um, but I think his, you know, you you said, are you a are you a production guy or are you a rings guy? I, I try to find a happy medium between both. Um, you know, because I, you know, football is a team game, and and. You know, a quarterback, we, we fall into this trap. I do it, too. You know, a quarterback won. A quarterback has such a, you know, you know, Tom Brady's won six titles. No, Tom Brady didn't win six titles. The Patriots won six titles with Tom Brady as their quarterback. Um, you know, he didn't win them on his own. Nor did Philip Rivers not win any titles on his own. You know, there, there were other problems there that, you know, helped them to fall short at times. So I don't want to hold that against him too much. Yeah. Now, here's another name that's not quite as far along in his career, but not too far behind Phil Rivers in years and stats. Matt Ryan. What do you think? Well, I'm. my knee-jerk reaction is no. And I think if that's the case, then I, you ha, you know, you're finding the line I'm drawing where the modern quarterback position can't you, you can't look at raw numbers anymore. And it might no. be the difference between the Phil Rivers, Eli class and Matt yeah. Ryan. Uh, you know, I mean, so here's here. Let me, let me play devil's advocate on the Matt Ryan. He's played. So Rivers was, was active from 04 to 20, but basically didn't become, I mean, he played four games in 04 and 05 through 30 total passes. He was a backup. So essentially 15 years, 63,000 yards passing, Ryan has played 13 years, been the full-time starter every year, 
55,700. He has two more years on his usual pace. He's going to have more yards. Yeah. He's got 347 touchdowns. Rivers had 421. Let's say Ryan throw. I mean, he's, he's thrown for 20 or more every year. Most years, 25 or more. He gets to about 400 in two more years. Uh, you know, plus he's got an MVP. He's got a first team all pro, which Rivers never was. And he's been to the Super Bowl, which Rivers never was. So, like, I mean, I had the same thought. You know, you first think of it, you think, ah, ah, Ryan. But, like, the numbers and the awards and that type of stuff, it's there. Where I think he's probably a Hall of Famer if he if he has another couple decent years. Certainly, if they would if they would rebound and you know make another Super Bowl run or something, I think it's slam dunk. But I think he probably is anyways. I I think you're probably right. It just, and maybe this is because of the, and we talk about it with you, with your quarterback views on the draft every year, but the general consensus being like, nah, about Matt Ryan, (laughs) like, I feel like it kind of hangs with him because he has this career, he won the MVP, you're right, all these things, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, I'm still, nah. Not I mean, you know, like, again, yeah, my, my, you know, when I was kind of going through names, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I don't know, Matt Ryan is quite there yet. And then I'm looking at the numbers and I'm realizing, like, God, he probably is. And, and you know, I mean, I mean, again, it, it's, a, it's a sore spot to bring up, I, I'm sure, for him and anybody who's associated with it. But if they hang on to that Super Bowl lead, I don't think we're even having the debate. I mean, I, I think it's a cinch. And, it, you know, so... Would you would you hold him out simply because you know his defense collapsed and and they stopped running the football and they couldn't hold on to a twenty eight three lead? You know I'm hard pressed to say I would. It's not his fault. It's really not. I mean he he had the fumble that was was big in that comeback, but you know he he played really well and the defense just it collapsed. They completely collapsed in that game in the fourth quarter in overtime. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make my decision solely on, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl and Rivers hasn't. But when you look at the fact that his numbers will probably match or exceed Rivers, and then he's going to have an MVP, a first-team All-Pro, and a Super Bowl appearance, none of which Rivers had, it's hard to argue against him. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it also depends on how much longer he plays. His career's not over yet. Um, you know, I mean, if, if, uh, you know, new coach they've got, maybe, you know, maybe they have a resurgence and he makes another couple playoff runs and makes it an obvious choice by the time he's done. Yeah. Or maybe he goes to another team and has a, you know, has a second run somewhere. He goes to, you know, San Francisco and they go to a Super Bowl. you know, again, probably an obvious choice if that's the case. Well, the musical chairs of quarterback this offseason, I think, is going to be very interesting for this discussion moving forward. Because I agree. The quarterback of Houston, Detroit, Chicago, yeah. Jacksonville, New York, Jay. Yeah. yeah. All up in the air. Oh, yeah. Atlanta. It, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, if Ryan it, goes, San Francisco. San Francisco, uh, you know. Indy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Indy's a sure thing now, unless they bring back Brissett. But I don't, I don't think they bring back Brissett unchallenged. Um, you know, so yeah, I think there's, there's going to be, you know, New Orleans mm-hmm. with Breeze likely to retire. You know, what do they do? Do they just bring back Jameis and Taysom Hill? Probably. 
because they're so cap strapped, they don't really have a ton of options. But you know, like who knows? Yeah, it's all very interesting. It will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, but yeah, those are. I mean, of course, you know, we could we could do this for for hours and go through names. Let me see if there were any others I wanted to bring up. Let's let's go to the all decade team from the twenty tens. And see, I mean, most of these guys are still active. Well, one we texted about, but let's let's discuss a little. Marshawn Lynch. You think he ultimately gets in? Yes. Think but so? People love characters. They do. They do. And now people don't vote for the Hall of Fame. Right. That's Writers the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know. 48 writers and a, and a couple former players and a couple former, you know, execs and whatever. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to think he should, but I mean, and, and it's not a new point. I know I texted you this, but I do wonder if he will suffer from the pushback of, you know, do they really want to elect someone who makes a mockery of the induction? And he could do that because, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen him do that before with other media appearances where he made mockeries of them. He also could play again next year. <laughs> he could. He could. Yeah. I mean, he's already pushed his his you know eligibility out further by coming back last year. So okay. one yeah, game yeah. scored a touchdown. Right. Exactly. Then played in the playoffs, and yeah. So now we we wait another you know couple more years till he would come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's an interesting one. I'm looking at the other all decade running backs. There were four. Are we agreed? Frank Gore is is a Hall of Famer. Frank Gore should be a Hall of Famer. I think so. I think so. The, the the unbelievable longevity at a position that doesn't have that anymore has it got to be a slam dunk to me. And Adrian Peterson, I think, pretty pretty well established. He is yes. Yeah. The, the other one is the other one is Lashawn McCoy. I don't think so. No. I mean, I you know, he's a nice player, but I don't I don't think Hall of Fame. Now I have a question for you about Frank Gore. Okay. Do you think that Frank Gore plays next year at some point? Would surprise me. And I mean, he'll be you know, 38. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a good veteran guy um, that, you know, doesn't, doesn't, you know, he's not going to cause a ruckus if he's not getting 20 carries a game. Um, you know, good guy to have on a young team like, like the Jets were this year. I mean, he played the part well. Yeah. He had um, 187 carries this year. Yeah, I mean, like, I could see, plus, I mean, you know, again, having been around for so long, there's probably 10 coaching staffs that have somebody on the staff who coached Frank Gore, either head coach or running back coach or offensive coordinator. So he's got, I mean, he's been around. Um, If he wants to, I bet there's an opportunity for him. Now, maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he's done, you know, and and that would make sense. But if if he is, uh, you know, inclined to play, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another year. One one more Frank Gore thing. If you need ligament surgery, mm, go find man. his doctor. Although, frankly, that doctor's probably retired because that surgery was 17 years ago. <laughs> was, yeah, when he was in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's amazing is, like, Miami had that run of incredible running backs in the early 2000s. Davenport, Portis, McGahee, Frank Gore. And he's far and away the most productive. But oh yeah, you would not have guessed that when they came out of college. I mean, no, no chance. Like you know, and and I mean, the high end, like Portis was a big time star for a couple of years. 
McGahee had a couple great years in the NFL. Even after the, the the thing with McGahee is that he did it all after that injury. Right. You know, he had the violent injury, but yeah, I mean, Gore, Gore tore both ACLs in a, in an era where that was not as easy to come back from as it is now. I mean, you know, it's, I'm not saying he was, you know, we, we joke about Frank Gore, you know, like he played, you know, he played the AFL, uh, you know, but like, okay, it wasn't the 1970s, but still, you know, early 2000s, that was a more severe injury and rehab than it is now. You know, recovery and, and medicine training, all that's gotten better. Like that's that's a death knell for ninety nine percent of guys. But he did. He not only came back, but you know, sixteen thousand yards, third all time in the NFL. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how you keep him out. I mean, I know I know the the pushback against Frank Gore is well, he was never one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL any year. Probably true, but then you could make that same argument about Philip Rivers, who we just talked about. I mean, was there any year of Philip Rivers' career where you said he's one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL? Probably not. No. Same for Eli Manning. But I think they're both Hall of Famers. Yes. I mean, that's that's kind of a subjective thing. Because, okay, 2015, Cam Newton was the best quarterback in the NFL. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. I don't think so. You know, he's had a nice career, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. So, Well, it, I, you know, Michael Vick was... The right. most electrifying man in sports. Yeah, 2004. I mean, you could argue probably Michael Vick was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL that year. Him and him and you know Manning and McNabb and uh, you know they they were dominating the NFL that season. Yeah, or uh, RG three for his, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. RG three his rookie year. Well, gee, I mean, John Madden had him in the Hall of Fame after one game. Uh, you know, so and that 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 barometer. It's an interesting barometer, but I, I think too much can be made of that. You know, it's sort of it's sort of that old joke you and I have about the Heisman winner of this drive. The Hall of Fame isn't based on one year. If it was, Cam Newton would be a Hall of Famer, but but he's not. You know, he had a nice career. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck would be a Hall of Famer if it was based on just a few years. Yeah. He's not. Uh. Okay, here's another name, and he's still playing, kind of. Antonio Brown. Uh oh. Uh, man, you you got Lena upset just at the jump. Uh, Apparently, yes, I yeah. I don't well. you know if if <laughs> if Marshawn Lynch is too much of a head case. I know. Then there's no chance. I know. God, his numbers are incredible. Well, and he's got the Super Bowl. Appe- he does. You know. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wasn't he on it? He was, well, no, I guess the year he was with the Steelers, they lost in the Super Bowl in yeah. 2010. But he wasn't on the 018. But, um, but he's got the appearance. He, yeah. You know. His numbers are off the charts. I mean, God. I know receptions are, are inflated. But six straight years of 100 catches, um, every one of those years he had 1,200-plus yards. So he wasn't, like, you know, catching screen passes. It's and, not Jarvis and, you know, Landry. Right, it's, right. He wasn't getting 100 catches for 800 yards. Uh, you know, but. God, it's just such a head case. Such a head case that I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, again, his career's not over yet. If he would, you know, have a, a you know, if he would get, if he would come back and play for Tampa next year and have a great year and, and you know, or something, that, that changes the discussion. But uh, I don't think he'll get in right now, given given how things have gone. Well, and the other piece of this, it, if he comes back, if he comes back for – Two years or three yeah. years, because he's only thirty-two, right. and is produ- yeah. if he's productive, a and b, good. If he behaves himself, right, 
right. then then he could because you know as you and I have often talked about the the worst thing that happens to a guy is your career ends when you're not liked. If your right. career keeps going, right. there's a chance. I mean, we were talking about Adrian Peterson. It, yes. Adrian Peterson might, if you if people take a long lens, might right. have off field stuff that keeps him out. But you're he's right. come back. He's played six more years since then. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, yeah, he he has a chance to change too. the narrative. Roethlisberger is a great example. I mean, let's cross sports. Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a period where Kobe Bryant was the most reviled player in the NBA, and now he's a hollowed name, you know. So I don't think Antonio Brown has enough time left to do that sort of transformation. But you're right. I mean, he, if he could keep his nose clean and be a good team guy and be productive and, you know, win a, win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl or something like that. With well, Tampa, and just not go know. off the reservation. Don't yes. don't get yes. yourself kicked off of three teams in a year and refuse <laughs> right. to wear the helmet. Exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he could just put, you know, just put two years under your belt where you just, you know, you're there every week. You're not getting suspended. You're not getting fined. You're not getting arrested. Uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, it would go a long ways for him. Um, uh, yeah, that's a he's an interesting one because his two years ago, I think you would have said, absolutely, he's a Hall of Famer. But given everything that's happened with with the Raiders, with the Patriots, uh, you know his exit from Pittsburgh, and, you know it's it's tough now to feel like people are going to vote for him. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's do let's do two other names and sort of the defensive side of the ball. Very similar careers. You can answer yay or nay on either. Patrick Willis, Luke Keekley. My immediate reaction is. Both will get in. I think so, too. Now, Willis is already eligible and has not been a finalist yet. He's been eligible for two years. Um, but I do think he eventually gets in. I mean, he was so, uh, you know, again, both short-term careers. Eight years. Eight years each. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I mean, I'm looking. Willis was a fir- uh, first-team All-Pro five, five times. times. Yeah, yeah. That's... And Keekley was five times as well. And... Keekly is not only is he beloved, but he's getting more beloved. Yeah. As, as time goes on, yeah. The, uh, yeah. The concussions for him make people feel for him because he exactly. could, he's one of those guys who he could do so much more. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, both both cut short due to injury. Willis wasn't concussions, but he had you know just a litany of injuries that basically forced him into retirement. But the the stuff about at least with ESPN social media and the way that the players have become a lot more free to talk about things and more open mm-hmm. about things. Mm-hmm. People talk about how smart Keekley was and how right. he knew what was happening. Um, right. I thought there was a, there was some story I saw about how he was, he told a running back that he was lined up in the wrong spot from watching game film. Really? Like really? Yeah. during a game. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't heard that, but I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I would, I would say I agree. I think both probably are, are yeses eventually. I'm kind of surprised that Willis hasn't been a finalist yet. Uh, I mean, he was, he was as good as it got at linebacker. Intimidating. years he played. Yes. Yes. And a, you know, they, I mean, both again, both got to a Super Bowl. At least once, you know, they, they each lost their Super Bowl, but they were there. Not like they had no te- team success to speak of. 
Um, you know, I mean, I, I think both, yes. And, you know, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how things evolve with, you know, do we see guys more and more start to retire at a younger age? I know there's some, you know, there's a lot of speculation about that right now, but, you know, we'll see. Um, if that happens more, I think that only adds to these guys' chances. But if it doesn't happen more, then, uh, you know, are we having the Tony Baselli debate or people like us having the Tony Baselli debate who are younger, who didn't live through these guys' careers and they're looking back or, or they were, you know, kids when they were playing. It's like, well, were they really that good? Is, it, is eight years enough? I don't know. Yeah, well, and that's definitely, I think, possible because if your only recollection of Keekley is him sitting gl- glassy-eyed right. on the field. Getting carted off the field, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's tricky. I mean, I think as guys who, you know, you and I have been big football fans through both of those guys' careers and, and watch those guys, you know, be dominant forces, I would say yes. Uh, you know, like they were, they were good for a long period of time to use that barometer that we were just talking about with Frank Gore. You know, did you think of them as one of the best linebackers in the game? The answer for me is yes on both. Yeah. I think they're in. But it'll be interesting. Those are, those are, I mean, I agree. I That's a, a close call. I, you know, when Keekley retired, I heard a lot of talking. I'm like, man, his, you know, I looked up Patrick Willis. I didn't realize how similar. Like, I remember looking at Patrick Willis and thinking, well, wait, if Keekley's a shoe-in, shouldn't Patrick Willis be? And then I'm realizing, boy, they have very, like, almost mirror image careers. Same number of years, same number of All-Pros, one Super Bowl each. Like, you know, it's it's hard to differentiate. I, I don't see how you could put one in without the other, let's say that. Maybe they'll go in together. They could. They could, yeah, yeah. But, well, that's making yeah. Willis wait a long time. It would, it would, yeah. But, hey, if he hasn't been a finalist yet... He might, although you wonder if he could be sort of a Zach Thomas, where it'll be like all of a sudden people realize, like, um, how come we haven't given this guy more attention? Yeah, I think that's another a real another possible. middle linebacker who you know, I, I Zach Thomas, one of those guys. Like, you know, we were younger during his prime, but like outside of Ray Lewis, was there a more consistent middle linebacker that you feared than Zach Thomas? Well, he was always in the right place. Yeah, you know, he had yes. so many. Yeah, and this is, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I'm gonna look up. Do you think Sean Lee has a similar appeal as a Zach Thomas? Boy, his I, I mean his 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 recognition is not good because no. he's got one first team All Pro and two Pro Bowls. He's also been injured a lot more. I feel like than I mean I don't I don't know, but he's always in and out of the lineup. It seems like. Yeah. Like, he's never, so only one time has he played 16 games, and yeah. that was 2019. He's got years of 7, 11, 6, uh, I get, you know, uh, this year 9. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I, in my head, he, he I mean, they I talk about him the same way. They do, you're but, right. But, you're right. You're, but when you look at the numbers side by side, it, it actually isn't that close. I think Sean Lee benefits from, from Dallas Cowboys. In a way, you know, I mean, there's more talk. Like, if Sean Lee had this exact same career with, say, the Tennessee Titans, we probably wouldn't be even, you know, thinking that. But because he's a cowboy, you hear about him more. And you think, like, eh, maybe. I, because when you brought up his name, I thought, eh, maybe. Yeah. I Although maybe that is just what it is. Like, when you're on Dallas. I mean, and, there's certain franchises that's, that help in every sport. 
I mean, we've talked about that, you know, the Yankees and, and the Red Sox and the Cubs in baseball or the Dodgers or the Lakers or the Celtics in, in, in basketball. I mean, you know, you play for certain franchises, you're going to get more attention. And, and so your star is going to feel like it's bigger than if you play for other franchises. Fair. That's a good thing. You know, you, you have, you know, uh, I mean, the Dolphins are a good franchise, but like if Zach Thomas had spent his whole career, most of his career, I think he finished his career with Dallas one year. If he played his whole career in Dallas, he probably is a Hall of Famer already. Yeah. Or if he played his whole career with the Steelers or so, you know, something like that, like, you know, be like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, if you're a linebacker with the Steelers or a quarterback with the Cowboys, you get it yeah, a longer look. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's just like, you know, there's a handful. Now, the NFL is, is different than the other two in that it's not always the biggest markets. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's the Packers, it's the Steelers, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, Chicago. I mean, the Bears are a big, you know, but the NFL is not dependent mm-hmm. on market size as but much it's as not the other the, two sports. It's not the Chargers or the Rams. It's not. It's not. No, I mean, you know, it's it's weird. I don't. I don't know. It, I guess it's just kind of the nature of the NFL. But you know, like you think about the NBA, and it's the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls, the Knicks. You know, those are the the marquee. I mean, even though the Knicks haven't had much success for a long time, they're still a marquee franchise. Um, you know, in the NFL, it's it's you know, Dallas is Dallas is a big market. It's not the biggest. Pittsburgh, Green Bay, those are probably two of the smallest markets in the NFL, I would think. Right, Green Bay is the smallest market in Green professional sports. Green Bay is sports. the smallest, yeah. Yeah, and, and Pittsburgh, I bet, is in the bottom five of the NFL, I would guess. Mm. Maybe with Kansas City, Jacksonville. I, I mean, the NFL has some smaller markets that they, they're in. But, you know, like, you know, but that doesn't, I mean, you know, look at look at Mahomes with, with Kansas City. He's the biggest star in the NFL. He plays Kansas City. Market doesn't matter. Yeah. Very true. That's why the whole Trevor Lawrence, you know, oh, Trevor Lawrence should want to go to New York. Like, nah, if Trevor Lawrence is a big star, he can be just as big a star in Jacksonville. Yeah. I I agree. You know, everybody loved Cam in Carolina. Everybody right. knows who Trevor Lawrence is now in Clemson, South Carolina. In Clemson, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, football, you're going to – I mean, it's just a, it's a difference in the sport, too. Like, you know, you're not – if you're playing, uh, you know, like on the West Coast in, in baseball or basketball, you're playing a lot of games at, you know, 9 o'clock at night Eastern time on weeknights. That's not the case in football. So you can be you can be anywhere. You're going to play most of your games at either 1 o'clock Eastern or 4 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. And if it's not one of those two, it's in prime time. on. It's in prime or... time on, yeah, Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah, nationwide. So. Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, it's just – it's different, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of those that you, you know, you think like the the place you go. I don't, you know, I, I've heard, you know, I heard what Richard Sherman said something about, you know, Deshaun Watson should want to go to the Jets. He could be a star there. I'm like, and Deshaun Watson could be a star anywhere he goes. Well, look, it, you know, yeah. I don't know what you define as a star in this in this context, but Peyton Manning has right. an incredibly lucrative marketing deal having played in Indy and Denver. Indianapolis and Denver, yes, yes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, is you know, the Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are the faces of, of State Farm, and they play Green Bay and Kansas City, two of the smallest markets in the league. You know, so, yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can be a big marketable star. If you're good enough, they'll find you in football. Yeah, for sure. And even more so in the other sports, too. I mean, basketball, look at, you know, uh, you know, Durant became a big star playing in Oklahoma City. 
Steph Curry's a huge star playing in, in you know Oakland, San Francisco, not not the biggest market in the world or anything. So, uh, I mean, I think some of that is is an outdated notion now. Yeah, it it mattered when people couldn't find your game unless right. you lived right. in a big market when it was limited national TV and yeah, I mean, but it's it's just different now. So I don't know, I don't know. We've we've gone far afield, but you know, hey, why not? Look, Larry Scott's gone. The NFL right. Hall of Fame vote's going to happen. We'll be back That's to right. talk about all of that stuff and more. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.